All right, guys. This was such a fun episode to record with Samantha Louise. She is doing incredible work with a major mission to help the next generation of young women leaders harvest their untapped natural resources for women's leadership. This call was so insightful. We went into all things, including biocognitive science, epigenetics, and we talked about generational trauma that creates the mean girls in society today. If some of these words you've never heard of, guys, you're going to want to take a listen to this podcast to really understand the psyche of working professional women today um, and how it's impacting how we lead and how we interact in the workforce and what we can do to change in a way that we are able to really tap into our natural resources to become even more effective women leaders. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hey friend, Melissa Hinault here with the Burnout to All Out podcast. I'm a former multiple six-figure executive corporate burnout, feeling stuck in the life I built for myself. But using my corporate skills, I took to the internet and have built multiple six and seven figure businesses, showing others how they can build a life they love. Now on this podcast, I share stories of being an entrepreneur, a mom to my three amazing kids and wife to my wonderful and supportive husband who supports all my wild and crazy dreams. My journey is taking grit and persistence and belief and believe me, I'm still a work in progress that you may witness in real time, whether it's in our free burnout to all out Facebook community or inside my mastermind or even in my coaching programs, or maybe just right here on the podcast, I'm laughing and I'm crying with you. I've become a serial entrepreneur with a passion to inspire more burnouts, to take the leap of faith and go all out and live out their dreams. Consider me your mentor in your head and on the go. So let's get started. Guys, I'm so excited today. We have Samantha Louise here. Is it Louise? Louise, yeah. Louise, okay, awesome. Who's also a, she's a doctoral candidate. So she's a fellow, almost doctor in her own specialty. This is gonna be such a fun interview. You know, so first of all, Samantha, I just wanna say you had me at your LinkedIn profile down at the bottom. I'm always checking out LinkedIn profiles because that's what I coach, right? But I love that you said, my mission is to help the next generation of young women leaders harvest the untapped natural resources of women leadership. Mm -hmm. Like you had me with that statement. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to chat with this girl. But there's so much around this. And I was reading a little bit about your background. And so I'm really excited to just unpack who you are, who you serve, and how you came upon this journey. Right. So as I was reading a little bit about you, I'm like, wow, she's a leadership cultivator and you're so passionate uh, about really helping women, right? Empowering Mm -hmm. women. And so there has to be a story behind this because it's an incredible journey that you're on and and the people that you serve. But I'm curious the backstory. So Mm -hmm. do you have a backstory? Can you take us back to, and you've got your own business now, Samantha Louise, right? So take me back to, Uh, where this really unfolded, where did you decide that this was going to be your life's mission? 
There was a moment when I was an undergrad, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in the world. My family growing up was like, basically everyone was either in agriculture, Mm because I come from a farming family, Mm -hmm. or they were educators. Mm -hmm. And I grew up with a mother who was a very powerful principal and eventually Mm -hmm. superintendent in a public school system. Mm -hmm. And I watched some of the things that she went through as a female leader in Mm -hmm. education Mm -hmm. that her counterparts didn't go through and decisions that she made that men weren't willing to make. Mm -hmm. And just learning, learning about like the small community of women that were in educational leadership and the percentages like right now in Minnesota specifically, I think it's only 11% of any administrators in Minnesota are female. Yes. And that's gotten less over the last few years, right? So it's fascinating to see things like that. But in my undergrad journey, I was committed to not be an educator. I saw Mm -hmm. how it impacted our family and what my mom gave up at times and what she had to commit to, to make a successful journey out of that for the community Mm -hmm. she served Mm -hmm. as well as our family. But Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I met some professors who showed me how to be an advocate. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was invited into this world of speaking at national, regional, like different level conferences on Mm -hmm. what leadership really meant. Mm -hmm. So I decided I would take a chance on it and become a teacher, become an Mm -hmm. educator But my sole mission the whole time was to look at how do we leverage change? Mm, Where mm. does change need to happen? Mm -hmm. How do we make it happen? And at that part in my that phase of my journey, everything was really focused on systems. How do you get Mm. policy to shift? How do you get an environment to change? Um, And only recently have I really gotten into the cultural part of it, right? Yes. The cultural, and that's why when I was reading your your bio on LinkedIn, I was like, wow, this is like a sister from another mother. And obviously, I'm not working on a PhD in this space, but I've spent a lot of time this year studying around just like the epigenetics, uh, kind of the the generational trauma that's passed down from women, yeah. um, and just the whole patriarchy, really studying patriarchy stress disorder, which was a term I'd never heard of before, and just learning and unpacking as a female. Because being a corporate professional in a male-driven, uh, you know, career, I was one, the only female out of 12 leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't realize till I came out of it, kind of the, the stress and the male-dominated leadership style, the male-dominated corporate company that I worked for. It wasn't until I left those shackles and like launched my own business and kind of pulled back the onion and started to learn to tap into my feminine that I feel like many women in corporate never get the freedom to actually do. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's such a powerful point that you're making is mm-hmm. when I talk to women who are still in it, they can't see it most of the time. And a lot mm-hmm. of times they feel offended. Yes. And I start to ask simple questions about yes. how do you feel? Well, we don't talk about feelings because right. there's no time. There's no space for it because you better be strategizing. Yes. You better be producing something. Yes. All day, every day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So good. <laughs> well, and even all the way down to the way I operated in the sense of like I wore, you know, muted colors and like not bright, vibrant, like pink lipstick. And it's funny because when I went to my first women entrepreneurship event, it was all pink, like everywhere. 
and I was like disgusted. I was like, oh my God, it's like, it's so pink. And all these right. girls, like their hair is long and some of them have lashes and like, <laughs> you know, I still have like a very like short haircut and like I'm in muted colors. And it took me like a year of working for myself to be like, I can wear a damn headband and I can stream live on LinkedIn if I want to. <laughs> and if I want to wear pink lipstick, lipstick, I can. But what was interesting in that workshop was just looking around and realizing these women have embraced their feminine and they're not apologizing for it. And I've had to live in this muted masculine space for so long that I'm like overly masculine even at home because that's what I how I survived in my corporate career, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think the you're getting into something that's so, so incredibly important to me that, again, growing up, I just thought like, I thought it was normal for girls and women to lead. Yep. And I yep. thought that the way I saw women doing it was how to do it. Mm-hmm. So learning generationally, learning from our role models, how to lead from that mm-hmm. masculine side, mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. tuning into self and balancing it right we yeah. obviously all have both sides that's right but it's the, like you're saying it's the the suppressing of mm-hmm. the feminine side the suppressing of the womanhood totally totally so and this is this will be a great example in my previous kind of masculine days and even when I was first out of corporate if my calendar wasn't full from the moment I woke up till the moment it was time for the kids to come home like I, I couldn't have been working like I was doing something like the calendar had to be full right mm-hmm. Um, and now three years into my journey by myself, I ran 10 miles this morning and then I did a cold plunge and I was in the hot tub at 830 this morning. Yeah. And between 830 and 9 a.m., I had some of the most powerful downloads mm-hmm. of creativity and direction that I'm going in my business. Had I been operating the masculine, go, 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 one call to the next, do, 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 strategize, I never would have had the sp- space mm-hmm. to come up with these profound thoughts I had this morning. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk. So, so at first you thought it was about kind of lobbying and for change and like systems, mm-hmm. what made you kind of move into this more holistic, probably not the right word, but what, what oh, kind of helped, okay. What it's totally you holistic. That direction? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, when I was teaching, I started to be able to, I was, I was given permission to start running some different pilot projects in schools. Mm-hmm. So from this advocacy space, we were starting to look at what does health equity look like inside of a school district, mm-hmm. right? And, and the focus was always on food mm-hmm. and movement. And then maybe as an afterthought, like do this cute thing of adding meditation into a classroom here and there mm-hmm. and starting to learn that. We can rewrite policies all we want and we can put cool things into a classroom. Mm -hmm. But unless there's a practice and a culture that Mm -hmm. actually says we value this stuff, change Mm -hmm. doesn't happen. It's just these little, right? It's the tokenism. Just Mm -hmm. put it there and make people feel good and move on. Yes. Um, But when the practice became real for some teachers, change started to happen. Kids started to ask for more of it. Parents Mm -hmm. were asking for more of it. And then the pressure was put on administration. The pressure was put on other teachers to start tuning into what is the essence of what kids are here for. Why are mm-hmm. you Why are you a teacher? Why mm-hmm. are you an administrator? What are we doing together? And along this journey, I just kept shifting. I kept, I was still in that masculine competition, right? So mm-hmm. if I could do that, then I moved into healthcare. 
And I started trying to do the same things in healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. If we're not at the essence of what it means to be well, then healthcare is broken. Let's Mm -hmm. rewrite policies. Let's Mm -hmm. change systems. Let's start Mm -hmm. to do outreach different. And this whole space of, I suppose, 10 or 11 years was my opportunity to start exploring, why do I wake up at 4.30, get to school at 5 to run programs before school, go to meetings, have a full or overloaded schedule, then coach, then do other community-based projects, go to bed at midnight, wake up four hours later and repeat it. Yes. Same thing when I went into healthcare, same thing in all these other spaces and the experience of burnout. Mm, Yes. And the questioning of if this isn't the way to make change happen, then what is it? And starting to realize that I had to change first. Yeah, that's simple. It sounds so simple, but it's yes. not easy to do. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about your change. Yeah. What did you do? Oh, I had to strip everything back. Yeah. Right? How did so you do that? The scheduling, right? Yeah. Starting to create blank spaces on calendars yep. and then sit in the anxiety of I'm not doing anything. The fear of who's going to judge me because I'm not doing anything. Right. Right. Who's going to, am I going to be in trouble? Now I'm a bad person. I'm going to get scolded for not doing mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. So it was simple structural things like that, but also looking at the academic competition, mm-hmm. the technical mm-hmm. language, the technical knowledge, the skills that I was developing. Why did I need all of that? Mm-hmm. Do I need it? What's the advantage? Who am mm-hmm. I actually competing against? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then going really deep into the personal side of things where in order to start dealing with the anxiety and the pain and the betrayal from people that I thought were on my team, but maybe weren't drinking, right? Mm-hmm. Turning to alcohol to cover that up yes. and, and trying to fit that into the schedule right. and then recovering yeah. from that with only yeah. a couple hours of sleep. Right, right. And, and the competition of like, I'm better looking so I can seduce that guy mm-hmm. and I can hide it and I can go to a conference and be with somebody else, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm the prettiest and I'm the best and I'm always this competition thing and just the overdrive of I'm better. I can do Mm -hmm. more. I'll show Mm -hmm. you. I'll prove it. So not to like go off on a tangent, but this is this, this word you just said competition. Mm -hmm. I just had this conversation with the coaching client yesterday. We were talking about the whole like mean girls kind of pandemic or epidemic. I don't know what's the right word, but why do you think women are so innately competitive? with each other? Personally, I think it's because of this, this culture, again, Mm -hmm. set up that uh, we are only worth the physicality, we are Mm -hmm. only worth what we look, Mm -hmm. or we are only worth whatever kind of token we can bring to an organization to move them forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna play into that game of, if I look prettier than you, if my body is better than yours, based on some guy's standard, Right, right. Or society, the the prominent male standard in society. Mm-hmm. That's what I think drives it. And then the drive of standards that girls and mothers and women hold each other to, right? Totally. So it's kind of like passed down. I'm, I think about even things I learned from my grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you're a proper lady, you don't cross your legs, you cross at the ankles, right? Right. Yeah. You dress a certain way, you know how to set a table. Right. So even if right. you're having a meeting, 
you set the table, the meeting table in a certain way, just all this presentation that's just outward. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Well, and we, my mother and I had this conversation the other day, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, but you know, I told my mom and I'm reading this book right now called We're Still Angry. And it's like all this poetry and like documents of all this literature of women over the century of like, and it follows each decade of like feminism and, and why women are still angry. But I was telling my mom, you know, I feel like our generation, mine, I'm not sure how old you are, but I am 42. I watched my mom. She was the first real generation who like had it all in the sense that she was like went to work, yet she grew up in a family where her mom was a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. So all she saw was her mom did everything around the house. So then she went to work and then also had a whole nother job. When she came home, which was everything for us, laundry, food, clean house, you know, my dad came home and he sat down, right? And where I'm going with this is my generation, we saw that our mothers did it all and then put that pressure on ourselves, right? Here I was in a very high level corporate career and still killing myself, like you said, up until midnight, like most nights, because either I was trying to perfect the Pinterest birthday parties for my kids (laughs) Or, you know, get the laundry done. I was making more money than my husband was. But Mm -hmm. the reason I was doing it was because it's what I saw done. And like, so these women, I feel like are suffering some so much like adrenal crisis, almost just because of the outfall, or I don't know, that's the right word, but just like, women still trying to do it all. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I totally agree. I this is fascinating. I had a conversation with my mom a couple weeks ago about something similar. And uh-huh. she told me when I was 23, and I had just moved to the farm with your dad, and I was just starting my career, like all of this was new, but I'd get home from school at the end of the day, I'd get home, I'd be done coaching, I'd be done with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I'd think I have to wash the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I have to make food to take out to the field. Right. I have to go help move machinery. Maybe mm-hmm. I need to help in the barn. And like, yeah. Right. Why do you have to be what you're doing professionally, then come home and help with somebody else's business and raise a family and go do stuff at church and go do stuff in the community? Just keeps going and going and going. And I think that kind of stems back to what I call kind of the mean girl mentality is like I actually made a post on social media about this the other day. Like there's so many disgruntled, unhappy middle aged women who are going through exactly what we're talking about. We're internally they are so bitter and angry because they're carrying such a large load, right? What's the solution to that? To let go of it. It's (laughs) This is so, so amazing. When I'm working with women, there's always one word that resonates. It doesn't matter what we're doing or who I'm working with, but the word permission. Mm -hmm. Like when I, when, when we finish a, an introductory call or, we finish a mentorship. Mm-hmm. It's always mm-hmm. that word. Like you gave me permission to love myself. Mm. You gave me permission to say no. And then, mm-hmm. right. It leads to the conversation of, I didn't give you permission. I just helped guide you to your own experience to put a boundary up, totally. to identify who you truly are, Totally, what you're here for. <laughs> yes. And it's, I love what you said about just like pausing and like starting to just Peel things away, right? And like maybe recognizing things that aren't serving you that you can get rid of, right? That's and it's so hard good. stuff. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. feel good to go into that because yeah. it's 
It's just what you've been groomed to think that you have to be. It's but but it doesn't have to be your belief system for forever. Totally. Yeah. Like I think back even in the first couple of years of my marriage with my husband, you know, I put so much pressure on myself to cook like the best meals when his parents came and the house had to look amazing when they got there because for whatever reason, I felt like the look of the house and the food in the house was a reflection of me. Not him, not us, but me. (laughs) And it's so funny coming full circle. You know, we've been married like 15 years now, almost. And his parents came in town after Christmas this year. And usually I cook everything, right? By the time his parents showed up, I was like, what are are y'all cooking? I just asked my husband. I'm like, what's for dinner? Like, I don't, I don't give two flying F's anymore. I'm just like, it is not my job. I cooked a great meal for Christmas Eve. I cooked a great breakfast on Christmas day and I'm done. If your parents show up and there's nothing to eat, that's not my problem. (laughs) That's right. Mm -hmm. But five years ago, I wasn't far enough along in realizing that that wasn't serving me or my health or my relationship with my spouse or my kids, right? To like hold that responsibility. Are you looking for 360 degrees support in launching your online business? It is a confusing space if you're new to the industry or even if you've been around for a while. Maybe you're looking to elevate your inner circle in the process, elevating your income. You just might be the perfect candidate for our burnout to all out mastermind. Take a listen to some of our clients who are in the program now. And if it piques your curiosity, head over to our burnouttoallout.co website and register for our masterclass today. We'll be spending three days unpacking the most important aspects of online business from the front end on sales and marketing and your personal brand to the back end of operations and technology to be seen and heard online all the way to the financial aspects of what it takes to get started and delegate in this industry. You do not want to miss this upcoming masterclass. I'm giving all the goods for free. Join us today. Hi, my name is Jody Barber, and I have had the incredible privilege to be part of the Burnout to All Out Mastermind for the past several months. I did not know what I was getting into fully when I said yes to this, and I cannot even tell you how many times I have said to my husband, said to friends in my life, I am so glad that I said yes to this opportunity. I work with a company that just launched into social selling. It is called MIG Living. And although the timing has been really exciting, the support that I didn't even realize I needed was in knowing how to put systems in place so that when we do hit the momentum phase as a company, I'm not frantically flying by the seat of my pants. And I would say that has been one of the biggest benefits of this mastermind has been the incredible knowledge, the incredible experience, the hands-on help in building systems so that you can thrive as a business owner. Many of the things that I've been taught and introduced to in this mastermind, I didn't even know were out there. And I'm so thankful that I said yes to this and that I made the investment. Yeah. All of us want to thrive and we can only thrive if we are in purpose and in alignment with who we are supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing here. Yes. I I couldn't agree more. I talk about this a lot. I think that when disruption happens, people rethink or think differently. And I think that's what's happened, right? So how are you cultivating future leaders, women leaders? Like what, what is it 
that you're doing today to help um, move the needle? When when we start working together, uh, whether it's girls or women, because I'm working with middle schoolers even right now. Oh, how cool. Right, the, right, the beginning of that mean girl phase where mm-hmm. girls are starting to like step into this space of confusion about who they are. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. being told that they're one thing, even though they thought they were something else. So mm-hmm. it's all like, like you said, when there's disruption, when there's mm-hmm. this cosmology episode that all of a sudden your world is upside down and you don't know how to make sense of anything. What is the self leadership that you've developed in order to make sense of it and navigate it? And how does that transition and integrate into a public or a corporate or organizational or family sector even? Mm-hmm. Right? So how do you take what's inside of you to lead your true self? Mm-hmm. If that hasn't been cultivated and developed, if there hasn't been space to hear it in yourself, mm-hmm. then probably in adversity or when you're facing challenge at at work or in any other context outside of yourself, there's going to be some... Uh, some backlash, right? You're going to get sick. You're going to get afraid. You're going to start to falter and make mistakes that just aren't you. Right. And it's confusion. It's scary. It's confusing. So the the first place we start is with self-leadership. And Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's so good. I love that term, self-leadership. That's fascinating. So I didn't know you were working with uh, middle schoolers. Are you working in groups or are you working one-on-one? What does that look like? With middle schoolers and high schoolers, it's in groups. So we do mm-hmm. a virtual circle once a week or once mm-hmm. a month. Mm-hmm. And and I've had some training in restorative justice and more of the traditional circle models. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So bringing that culture and infusing some of my own cultural practices. And then, of course, the girls co-create. They, they own the group. And, and what comes out of it is what is your voice? Mm-hmm who has taught you not to express it and what's that doing inside of you? What do you feel on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. And then who do you want to become? Not what do you want to become, but who, when you're, when you're grown up, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. do you want to feel about life? Awesome. Right. That's and awesome. and right now, if you're an artist and you love to write, then what do you want to do with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to let go of it or do you want to keep loving it and grow it to be even bigger and better for a job? Mm-hmm. I can't be an artist for a job, says who? Uh, I don't know. Says yeah. my aunt. Right. <laughs> says my teacher of right. all people, right? right? So those conversations, who do you want to be and who's telling you you can't? Right. So true. Look, I, I feel like as parents, we have to check ourselves, right? So. Yeah. It's funny, my and it's it's my son, it's not my daughter, but it is one of those generational things. My son is oddly enough really good at playing video games and he's very, very smart. And of course, me as the mom is like, you know, and he's a really good reader and um just very he's just a really the kid, there's a million things he could do, right? Yeah. And he's like, for his birthday, he wanted my husband found this like session where he could play with a pro gamer, like, and get trained by like a guy who runs a pro game team. And I'm like the 42 year old mom. That's like, we don't need to put gasoline on the fire here. We need him out there playing soccer. We need him. We need him to do this. We need him to do that. And we went to, there's a point to this, but we went to this little birthday party where the guy owns this whole pro gaming team who were all over in Switzerland and they all make really good money by the way. And they love what they do. Right. 
and he's given us a tour and he's like, we have nutritionists and we have, you know, fitness instructors here that they work out with. I'm like, what? And um, he's like, yeah, we have a tournament this afternoon. There's a bunch of colleges coming. They're scouting out these kids. I was like, scouting? And they were like, yeah, these kids get scholarships. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, so this is like a legit like thing. Like they, he could actually, and they, they start showing us how these kids get training on social media and how they can build a personal brand and how they can. And my son looks at me and he's like, mom, what you do is not much different than what I want to do. I want to get a YouTube channel and I want to be a personality on YouTube. And I'm just like, there was this moment to the point you're making is like, I'm over here telling him no, 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 because I have this one tunnel vision of like, that's my own myopic 42 year old mom thing. <laughs> Who am I to tell my child he can't be some video game superstar, you know? Right? right? <laughs> yeah, creating right. something that didn't exist before. There it is. Right. And if I'm not the pot calling the kettle black, trying to tell him that he can't build a business online. So like literally the next day, we let him invest his money into like this high power computer system. We get him a YouTube channel. I gave him an old microphone and I'm letting him run at it. I'm like, have fun, buddy. But there's parameters for every minute that you're on your video games. You have to be outside playing too. There has to be some exercise and all those things. But you bring up such a good point for parents, which is like, why am I telling my son he can't? Where is that coming from that we're telling our children, no, you can't do this. Yes, you can do that. Right. And so I love, I'm going to take this even to my children and what you're talking about and empowering them as they're as self-led, right? I just love that term of being self-led. And I'm actually glad that my son said to me, why can't I? Why are you saying like you do this, right? Like yeah. um, such a good conversation. So what are you doing for professionals? For professionals, I have mm -hmm. a women's circle called Womanhood and Leadership. Yeah. So it's explorations as a group about how do we make sense during adversity? What wounds are you carrying with you into your leadership roles that might be imposed onto the people that you're supposed to be inspiring? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. What is your story and how do you honor it? Or don't you? Do you not even acknowledge that you have had a powerful journey? Mm -hmm. Right. So these conversations where women have been so trained into that masculinized leadership system that mm -hmm. together, collectively, we start to ask questions and tell stories to dismantle it and heal mm -hmm. and lead differently. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And then also doing, I'm still trying to think of the right word for this, but it's, it's like a, a co, co mentorship. At, so while someone is going through a mentorship with me, I'm consulting with them at the same time to teach them things like organizational ethnography, Ooh. right? How do you actually understand, describe, and restructure the culture of your organization, of your community, of your family? Mm. How are you leading it? What are the archetypes that everybody's playing into? Mm. Um, and how do you inspire the change instead of imposing yet another cultural implication that's going to just make it worse? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The work you're doing is so profound. So, <laughs> Thank so you. good. Yeah. yeah. So where can people find you and how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to follow you? Yeah. My website is my name, samanthalouise.co. So that's the best place to start. From there, you can explore my services or find me on social media. But if you want to connect, just contact me through a form or I love... 
I love meeting people on Instagram. I don't know why that seems to be my favorite platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I tend to have really good conversations with people on Instagram. But my handles are all the same, samanthalouise.co, same as my website. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for just pouring your, your love and, and knowledge into this community. Last question before we hop off. I always ask, what are you reading right now or any books that you suggest? Oh, man. Okay. So many. <laughs> One of my foundational ones is always Mind Body Code, which Ooh, is okay. the essence of what biocognition is. Okay. I'm going to get um, that one. But a book I just finished that I absolutely loved is called There's a Hole in My Love Cup. Oh. And it's by Sven Erlinson, whose business is called Badass Counseling. Okay. Right. And it's a really, really like human centered way to talk about what you learned in childhood, how it wounded you, how you might want to start overcoming it and, and retranslating and, and transforming your own belief system. So there's good journaling, there's good music recommendations. It's just like a full, full body, full life experience going through that book. I love it. I love that. I'm going to order them both. I just yeah. uh, finished a book with Joe Dispenza and I read How to Do the Work by Nicole Lapera. Have you heard of her? I've heard of it. I have not read that one yet. It's good. It's good. It's, the it's, there's a lot of similarities to what you talk about. You, I think there's a book coming for you too, huh? Oh, there is. Yeah, it's in the works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Burnout to All Out podcast. For free resources, materials, or information on my coaching services, go ahead over to livethefreelife.co. That's livethefreelife.co. Or check out our Facebook community at Burnout to All Out. And make sure you follow Burnout to All Out on Spotify and subscribe to iTunes. And it would truly mean the world to me if you paused for just a second, gave me that five-star review of the show and be sure to share this episode with any burnouts you think would be inspired to go all out after hearing this episode. <music>